Hello, and welcome to Canada's History Podcast. I'm Nell Ostrom, Associate Editor of Canada's History. Today I'm speaking with Alan Greer, who holds the Canada Research Chair in Colonial North America. Dr. Greer is conducting a study on the history of land ownership in Canada. Alan, what can you tell me about the study that you're doing? Well, it's a it's a kind of large-scale comparative history that involves Canada and New France, at least, uh, as well as New England and New Spain. So it's um, it's an attempt to get a better understanding of the basic processes of of colonization with um, dispossession of native people and creation of property and land for settlers two sides of the same coin uh, basically so it's it's the way in which uh, in colonial North America um, land is in by various means transformed into property uh, and ownership vested mostly in settlers uh, so it's it's both a, a transfer of land from natives to settlers but also a kind of redefinition of what it means to uh, own or possess land. I mean, the, the interesting thing is that the English, the, F- the French, and the Spanish have quite different ways of, of approaching this, and of course they're dealing with very different uh, First Nations. I guess what makes me uh, initially, what made me initially interested in this topic was coming at it from the history of, of the French in uh, this part of the world, who never had treaties with natives, never bought land from them, never had land surrender, never recognized Aboriginal title, but instead came in with a fundamentally feudal uh, form of tenure, and uh, which which involves partial, fragmentary, and overlapping claims to a given uh, piece of territory and its resources. Whereas the English, um, and you know, mostly Canada derives its uh, approach to these things from uh, the English legal tradition. The English and the Dutch tended to favor some kind of ceremony and treaty uh, of land surrender. Uh, there was all kinds of uh, cheating on the terms, um, uh, all kinds of pressure exerted on First Nations, but there was usually some kind of uh, negotiation and turning over of land in return for some kind of payment, uh, which the French never did. The Spanish didn't either. Um, so uh, the way in which land becomes property is quite different in the different empires. Because, because I started out from a Canadian and New France perspective, I think it gave me a different angle of vision on this than, uh, for example, what most U.S. historians think about this. They don't even think of asking some of these questions because they're working strictly within the British legal tradition. Could you explain a little bit more about how the French approached this issue of land possession? I would say, in practice, the record of the French in early Canada was, in quotation marks, better than that of the English, and certainly than the Spanish, in terms of um, actually accommodating both natives and settlers. Uh, But in theory, they, they, they didn't have the same approach to it in theory as did the British. The British had a, developed 
partly got it from the Dutch, who were the ones who bought Manhattan, uh, a, a certain notion of justice in dealing with natives. Uh, but their notion of trees of surrender and purchase mostly involved completely extinguishing native claims to territory. So it's a matter of kind of clearing space to create a new colonial real estate market, if you will. The French don't require exclusive claims for the kind of land tenure that they favor and that they tend to specialize in. So we have the king, for example, granting great seigneuries or fiefs to various privileged individuals without any reference to existing native claims to the territory, but without necessarily nullifying or extinguishing the native claim and presence in the same territory. But it wasn't absolute. It was not, if the king says, okay, you know, this territory here from point A to point B and stretching backward 30 leagues into the interior is now a fief that I have awarded to the Jesuits or that I have awarded to this or that noble individual. It means it's his or their fief, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that no one else can have a claim to the same area in a, of a different sort and a different degree. So it's not exclusive. So the, we're used to something more resembling the English approach, which is ownership of a given stretch of land is exclusive. Either I own it or you own it, but we don't both own it, whereas the French system has the possibility of layered kinds of uh, claims where I own the right to collect rent, but you own the right to live there or to farm it. And someone else might own the right to hunt or to fish in the same, in the same place. So how did the Spanish deal with land ownership? Uh, well, in a nutshell, and this, this involves a lot of oversimplification, the Spanish, for all their brutality and conquest, and for all their desire to lay their hands on precious metals and uh, gold and silver mines, mostly were content to leave land in the possession of the native inhabitants. So most of New Spain, uh, initially, is still owned by Indians. And the Spanish... Um, uh, at least in theory and at least they make a serious effort to recognize not only Aboriginal lands but Aboriginal ways of owning lands and actually try to enforce Indigenous forms of tenure in their colonial courts. Um, again, in, mostly in contrast with the English. And why is it important to be looking at these issues today? Well, uh, it seems to me, uh, for a couple of reasons, um, the question of the land and control over the land and its resources is just central to any colonial history. And the history of Canada, of course, was colonial for much of its period. In fact, uh, arguably, it still is colonial in some areas. That is to say, a relationship between Indigenous people and mostly European newcomers so it's, it's the process by which the resources of this country come into the hands of uh, individuals, uh, come under the control of individuals who are not indigenous. Um, and that's, of course, uh, the results of this process are with us today. They're live issues. But it's also, it also just conditioned the, the, 
the emergence of Canada as we know it, I suppose it's fair to say. And I think the, the value in studying it comparatively like that is it brings out some peculiarities that aren't at first visible until you realize there were other ways of doing these things. Do you think your research applies to current issues around Aboriginal land claims? I would think so. I, I don't feel I have the expertise to say precisely in what ways, but uh, this is the, you know, this is the process out of which all kinds of issues were left unresolved, and that conditioned particularly the situation of Indigenous people down to the present, but all of us, for that matter. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for your interest. Alan Greer holds the Canada Research Chair in Colonial North America. He is a professor at McGill University. My name is Nell Ostrom, and I'm the Associate Editor of Canada's History Magazine. (laughs) 